Alright, welcome back to episode 2 of the Juan and Roger podcast. Uh, my name is Juan. I'm Roger. And today we're going to be going over the life of Hitler. Roger, would you like to take us yeah, through that? Yeah, so basically, first we're going to, again, just like last episode, start with some background. Just about Hitler, his life, um, how he came to be who he was known to be, right? Um, and so basically, he, he was born in Austro-Hungary to his father, who was previously twice divorced, I believe, and his mother, who was his father's cousin. Um, and so he was born in the Austro-Hungary area, and he basically, his dad was very angry, man, and just really abusive. Um, and so basically, he wanted to do everything opposite of his dad, and so he hated his dad because of that abuse. And so... Um, for example, one uh, thing is that his father was an uh, Austrian nationalist. And so in counter to that, he became a German nationalist. And so that's where his uniting Germany ideals came from, from a young age, um, influenced by his abusive father. And so uh, that, that will actually play a role later um, in why he didn't like Polish people and why he persecuted them. But first off, um, he believed in the social hierarchy of races, which uh, put Aryan Germans as the most pure and Jews at the bottom of the hierarchy. Of course, there's different versions of this hierarchy, but Hitler believed in this specific one. Um, And so he really wanted to enforce these ideals. And when he was speaking and giving speeches, uh, he was very angry. And so this set him apart from other um, from other groups, him and the Nazis, because of his speaking style and because people at first weren't really fond of it. It wasn't very politician-y, but then people started believing in it and kind of um, were very influenced by him because he was he actually was a pretty good speaker once he started ranting about something he was passionate about. Um, and so he was part of the armed forces in World War One for Germany. Um, and basically Germany lost and their land was split into two parts with Poland dividing them. And that's where his actual hatred for Poles came from was because um, he wanted to unite Germany as he was a German nationalist from a young age. And basically wanted to get rid of Poland or at least take back that land to unite Germany. And he wanted to basically return Germany to its previous glory and reclaim all of Austro-Hungary. And that was basically his conquest. And along with his um, ideals about social hierarchy, that's where we get the Hitler that we know. Right. All right. Thank you for that. So, you know, what I could think about why Hitler would feel sort of validated to, uh, I guess, go through this line of reasoning which enables him to commit atrocities. Uh, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me when I think about what was probably... Um, validating him was probably the response of the people and the fact that there was always at least, you know, someone who was supporting him in what he was saying. Yeah, well, yeah, because the, he did um, 
help form the Nazis. And so he did have those people backing him from day one that were always like basically in his corner and like rooting him on to basically do what he wanted. And so it's not like at a point there were like the every single person disapproved. He obviously his top advisors and whatever approved. But actually something interesting was that a lot of Nazis were like forced into the position and didn't really um, want to be Nazis. They just didn't want to be like persecuted or hurt by Hitler. Um, so basically they joined the Nazis right. to protect their families, right? Kind of like a draft. So then what what do you think was the big catalyst for Hitler becoming this big radical nationalist? Like, what do you think was the initial snowball that turned huge down the hill? Initially, I'd say it was probably his abusive father, because his father, as I said previously, was an Austro-Hungary or, uh, yeah, an Austrian nationalist. And so Hitler, wanting to be different from his father, was a German nationalist. And so I think that really solidified his, like, prayer. Not not prayer, but praise of Germany and basically wanting to return it to that former glory. Right, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think... I think it makes a lot of sense for his father to be the initial catalyst of his um, nationalism for Germany. Right. I think it's it's also a good idea to sort of question um, why these ideals sort of carry through so far for him to take action off of them. Like, why are these things pushing his actions so influentially. Well, see, I think, well, if, okay, if you have an entire group of people that are believing in the ideals, there's sure to be at least a few of them that are radical enough to push it to this extent and actually, like, uh, make their ideals a reality and start killing people because of it. I think probably the abuse in his childhood damaged him a lot. Not that that's an excuse for what he did, but um, maybe an explanation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I feel like another factor that can play into this is the, the social momentum that he built. I think, you know, after you build enough momentum with society, you can sort of feel like, there's there's no way you can sort of back away from it now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, we can... And it can't just get... And it can't just, like, come to a halt. It has to sort of keep going in a certain direction. Yeah, and also I think specifically Hitler was the one to, like, actualize this because, um, like, he strove to be very different from his father, but also he was, in the end pretty similar to him because like I said, he was an angry speaker. He was a very angry person all the time. Right. That's not just what, uh, like a character he put on for making speeches. That was him. Um, and so I think he took out that anger on these people that he believed were inferior. So, you know, relating that back to the U S uh, how do we think 
these same patterns can be reflected in today's politics and today's societal uprisings? Well, basically, if there's uh, certain politicians that are very radical that are um, basically when Hitler was giving his speeches, he was um, basically blaming all of Germany's problems on the Jews and the Poles and all these like inferior uh, in his in his ideology, inferior peoples. Um, and so uh, he's also just um, he when he answers his questions or when people give him questions, he basically answers like very vaguely and he doesn't really he, he kind of answers like he's stumbling through like through his answer and through the question like he didn't really he doesn't have a plan at all like uh, that's kind of how it seems and we can that sounds kind of similar to our current president Donald Trump. <laughs> with his um, ideals because he basically uh, promises a lot of things to the people that follow him and he has very radical ideals and he's a very like um, non-political figure and people like that about him that he's not a politician um, for some reason but yeah I think I think like if we really look at it there are a lot of similarities between the two. Right. Now, do you think that our current president could ever amount to something like this or has amounted to similar things? See, I don't I don't think he can. Like obviously there's lots of um there's lots of crimes going on at the Mexican border with like the caged children and separating of families, but we it's hard to quantify people's pain, you know. It's like um, I forget the exact name of the theory, but or the ideology, but it's basically saying that like just because something is more significant than another, it doesn't diminish the value of the first thing. So like if I stub my toe and I say, "Wow, that hurt a lot," and then you say, "Okay, well, I got stabbed, so you shouldn't be complaining," that's not really valid, right? Because it's they're still both like painful situations, but um one may be more painful than more painful than the other but that doesn't invalidate the other right and so what trump's right. doing on the border i don't think it's easy to compare to what hitler did i don't think it's in any way quantifiable to what he did but also we can't ignore it and just say it's okay right um so i think of, there's a lot of similarities but i think it's more in uh, sort of pattern, but not really to scale. Mm -hmm. Also, considering that um, Trump is a businessman, so I don't think like the reason Hitler was able to do this was because they were in they had a completely different governmental system, right? And so in right. our as an yeah, in our one. democratic republic of the U.S. with our uh, free market economy and whatever, I don't think that will ever happen, especially since Trump. Um, I don't think he'll want to change that because of his personal interests with the economy and such. And with democracy, it's easier to um, basically work in the economy. And so he can make more money that way. I don't think he'll change that. Um, yeah. That's my... So I think the big difference between 
uh, what can happen with our president and then what happened with Hitler was the fact that we have this sort of bipartisan system that's extremely vocal on both ends Mm -hmm. and neither would allow the other to be radical and authoritarian. Yeah, exactly. Also, everything um, has to be voted on in the U.S. And um, yeah, I think our our, uh, political system basically eliminates the opportunity for a dictatorship. Of course, there's always the opportunity of martial law, which um, with all these riots seems more and more um, possible. Likely. likely, Yeah, for Trump to initiate martial law. Um, I mean, I'm not really scared of Eminem, but I think, you know, who's to say that he can't hold a gun? Yeah, exactly. All right, I think that can wrap up this episode. Thank you for listening.